This is Crossroads with Clayton King. You're going to get to hear a message that was preached all summer long at our Crossroads summer camps in Anderson University. This summer, we had over 6,000 teenagers that attended, and believe it or not, we saw almost 1,500 teenagers put their faith in Jesus Christ. Our theme this summer was believe. And in the Gospel of John, we see what it means to truly believe in Jesus. It's not just what you believe, it's how you believe that saves you. So listen to this message and rejoice in all the salvations we saw at Crossroads Summer Camp this summer. Hope you enjoy this word. What you believe is important. But I want to show you what's even more important than what you believe. Because tonight we're going to talk about the what, but we're also going to talk about another important thing. How you believe is actually just as important as what you believe. So I want to ask you this question. How do you believe in Jesus? How do you believe in him? Most of us in this room, if the stats are true, statistically speaking, a majority of you, probably over 95% of you believe in God. And if I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? You'd kind of have to be a little crazy to say, I don't believe Jesus ever existed. He's literally the most famous human that has ever lived. He literally, there's more proof that Jesus Christ was an actual man that lived in Israel 2,000 years ago than there is proof that any of the Caesars lived. I mean, there's so much proof. So I'm not asking you necessarily if you believe in Jesus. What I want to ask you tonight is how do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus like I believe that coffee makes you happy because I do believe that, but I wouldn't die over that. Like like I believe that meat is good for you. I really do believe that, but it's really not essential to my life. Now, when I say I believe the Cowboys are gonna win, well, of course, it's just a football team. And, And I say I believe that, but I don't believe those things in the same way I believe this that I am accountable and responsible to my wife and my children for how I live as a man. That I'm accountable and responsible to my church for how I lead and pastor and shepherd my church. That I'm responsible and accountable to every one of you guys and ladies, to every one of you leaders, for how I live my life off the stage as well as what I preach when I'm on the stage. I believe that. I believe that in a different way. You see what I'm saying? How you believe matters as much, if not more than what you believe. There are three ways you can believe in Jesus. There's actually more than that, but there are three in this scripture. Two of them are good, but only one of them is good enough to save you. I want to read this for you. It's John chapter six, beginning in verse 25. When they found Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Jesus is talking about himself. Look at verse 28. What can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Pay attention to Jesus' answer. Their question is pretty simple. How can we please God? And Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. And there's the word. Jesus wanted them to believe in him. Jesus wants you to believe in him. Jesus wants you to come to him in faith. I don't care if you're depressed, if you suffer from anxiety, Jesus wants you to believe in him because when you believe in Jesus, he saves you, he changes you, your life begins to turn around. Jesus said, you want to please God? Believe in the one he has sent. Look at verse 30. I cannot believe what they're about to say. What sign then are you going to do so that we may see it and believe in you? They asked. What are you going to perform? Wow. Can we pause right there and just acknowledge the absolute silly nature of this question? Jesus says, you want to please God, you got to believe in me. And they're like, well, we're not just going to believe in you for no reason. Do a miracle. And Jesus has got to be going, are you kidding me? I just walked across the top of water and I just fed 20,000 people with a kid's lunch. They are talking about a different kind of belief than Jesus is talking about. Now let's unpack it even more because it gets better. Verse 31, they said this, our ancestors, that's an important word, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they had a belief, but their belief was in their ancestors, their forefathers. Jesus replied to them, verse 32, truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself, but they don't believe it. That's why they ask the question in verse 34, sir, give us this bread always. In other words, we just got a free meal. You just fed us until our bellies were full. Can you keep doing that? Would you just keep giving us this bread always? Look at what he says in verse 35. Guys, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry and no one who, there's the word again, no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me and yet you do not believe Jesus was just as perplexed. How could you see me do these miracles and not believe in me? Why are you still asking me to do a sign and you still don't believe in me? The word believe has been used four times. It's gonna be used one more time. Let's keep reading. He says this, everyone the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I'll never cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. 
verse 40. Last verse we're gonna read. For this is the will of my father. Pay attention to this. That everyone who sees the son and what believes in him will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. God the Father wants you to see Jesus and believe in Jesus. But how? How does he want you to believe in Jesus? The people there believed in Jesus. But how did these people believe in Jesus? Well, they believed in Jesus in two ways. And this is gonna be true for some of you. This was true for me when I was 14 years old. And I believed in Jesus, but not enough to save me. They did believe in Jesus. And I'm gonna show you the kind of belief that they had. Number one, they believed in Jesus with inherited belief. This was a faith passed down from their ancestors. That's why they say it right there. Jesus says, you wanna believe in me? Well, our ancestors ate manna in the desert. Moses, he called down manna from heaven. What are you gonna do? Can you do something better than that? Their faith, their belief was not in Jesus. Their belief was in their dead ancestors. They had belief, it was inherited belief. Now, let me show you something. Let me show you something. Inherited belief, is good. It is. It's not bad. I've inherited a lot of things from my family and they're good. You can inherit a spiritual heritage. My dad raised me in church. He was my Sunday school teacher when I was a kid. My dad taught me to love the Bible. I inherited that from him. I inherited my mom's love for good food and cooking. I inherited my mom's hospitality. I inherited that. I inherited a love for the scriptures, a love for prayer. I, I was raised in church. I inherited a spiritual heritage. But listen, I want to make sure you understand this. I did not inherit salvation from my parents. And neither did you. Nobody inherits salvation. Nobody. Not you, not me, nobody. You are not born a Christian. You can be born into a Christian home. I was adopted into a Christian home, but you're not born a Christian. You're born a sinner. You're not born with problems. You're not born with issues. You're born with sin. Every one of us from the Pope to Billy Graham to Mother Teresa to the Muslim in Saudi Arabia to the backslidden Southern Baptist in Anderson, South Carolina. We're all born sinners, every one of us. So listen, when it comes to our belief in God, we don't inherit salvation. We inherit death. We're not born into Jesus. We have to be born again into Jesus. You're born dead. You have to be raised to a new life. So when they say to Jesus, uh, do, do a miracle kind of like our ancestors did. Because we've inherited all these rules. We've inherited the Ten Commandments. We've inherited the Torah. The, we've inherited the books of prophecy, the books of poetry, the histories. We've inherited Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've inherited the books of Moses. They totally missed the point. 
None of that could save them. Only Jesus could save them. And Jesus told them, if you want to be saved, believe in me. And they're like, show us a trick. And he's like, how long have I been with you when you still don't understand? You don't believe the right way. It's good to have an inherited faith. But I want to show you something. Inherited faith, even though it's good, it is not good enough to save you. Hey, before I wrap up this message, I wanted to tell you about something really exciting that's happening right now at Crossroads. For over 20 years, we've prayed about and looked for a piece of property we could use for ministry training and retreat and refuge, and we found it. We've just purchased a beautiful home on a two-acre peninsula on beautiful Lake Hartwell in South Carolina, and we're renovating it right now to make it available. We wanna be able to use this as a pastoral and ministry leader retreat, as well as a place of refuge, as well as a place that you could rent for a weekend getaway, or even your team of staff from your organization, your church, or your business. We're doing all of this through the support of friends like you. So if you'd like to help us, you can go to claytonking.com give and make a donation. But please pray for us that we'll be able to use the Crossroads Retreat to bless folks in the kingdom of God in the days to come. There's another kind of faith we see here, another kind of belief, okay? Now, this one, I'm gonna go a little deep on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you understand this. Let's dig down to this. This second kind of belief is also a valid belief. And we see it right here in this story because the people who are asking Jesus to perform a miracle, they have a form of belief. But their belief was intellectual. It was intellectual. It was all in their brain. It was a mental belief. Now, let me show you something. There is nothing wrong with having intellectual belief. It's good. I want to establish that. You should have a sharp mind. You should study to show yourself approved, a workman that rightly divides the word of truth. That's what the New Testament says. You should have an intellectual belief. When they say to Jesus in John chapter six, I just read this to you, what sign then will you perform that we might see it and believe in you? And then they bring up the manna in the desert. They're like, okay, okay, Jesus, if you really want us to believe in you, do something that blows our mind. Put on a show, entertain us. Do something that we'll be talking about for years. This sounds a lot like America right now. We are entertaining ourselves to death. We're glued to our screens. We've got multiple streaming services. And that's why so many people are deconstructing right now. That's why so many of us, maybe even in this room, you don't know if you're saved or not. And I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm talking to you like a dad right now. I'm not judging you, but I'm telling you, so many people in your generation say, God never speaks to me. And I'm like, do you ever open your Bible? 
Because if all you ever do is scroll for three or four hours a day and look at other people's content, it's no wonder you're depressed. It's no wonder we've got an epidemic of anxiety. It's no wonder. And we're so intellectually stimulated all the time. And so intellectually, a lot of you may think I'm a Christian because I believe in Jesus. Guess who else believes in Jesus? The devil. Satan believes in Jesus intellectually. Jesus had a brother named James and he wrote the New Testament book called James. He was the first bishop of the church of Jerusalem. And in James 2.19, James literally says, and I quote, you believe in God, great. The demons also believe and tremble at his name. Intellectual belief. I intellectually believe in George Washington, our first president. Why do I believe in him? Because I've read about him in books and other people told me he was real. That's how some of you believe in Jesus. You've never experienced him, but you've read about him in a book and other people have told you you should believe in him. That's my George Washington belief. For some of y'all, that's your Jesus belief. I'm not criticizing you. I want your eyes to be opened. I want you to see that some of you believe in Jesus the same way you believe in Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King Jr., Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Taylor Swift. You believe in these people. You've never met them, never had a meal with them. You've watched them play ball. You've listened to their music. You've seen pictures of them. You know what that is? That's intellectual belief. It's good but it is not good enough to save you because if intellectual belief made you a Christian, Satan's a Christian. If intellectual belief made you a Christian, every demon that serves the devil is a Christian because they believe in Jesus and they fear him and they hate him because he defeated them on the cross when he died there. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, his blood was powerful enough to forgive everybody in this room and everybody on planet earth of every sin they've ever committed. And the way that you get your sins forgiven, the way that the guilt is removed, the way that you find real identity, the way that you experience abundant life, the way that you have your heart lit on fire, the way that your life changes from being focused on you to focused on God is one word, belief. But it's got to be more than inherited belief. And it's got to be more than intellectual belief. There is one belief that's good enough. There is one belief that does save you. And it's the third kind of belief. Because remember, I'm asking you the question, it's not just what you believe, it is how you believe. And I'm going to show you the kind of belief that's good enough to save you. I didn't say it. Jesus did. The kind of belief that Jesus wants us to experience is intimate belief. A belief where you're close. A belief that's personal. Not a belief that your parents told you about and made you believe. Not a belief where you could figure out in your head how things all make sense an intimate belief. That is the belief that saves you. And I want to show you the word in Greek. You may not care, but I think you, I think you will when you see this. The word that Jesus uses, the word that the Bible uses for believe is this Greek word. And it's pretty awesome. And I want you to understand 
the meaning of the word pastuo. It means to be persuaded. It means you said, prove it to me. And you saw the proof, you felt the proof, you experienced it, you were persuaded. It also means to place confidence in. So to believe in Jesus with intimate pastuo belief means you are persuaded that Jesus is the Son of God. You are persuaded He's not just a normal man. He was the God man, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, never committed a single sin. Showed people who the kingdom of God was for, men, women, Boys, girls, the least, the most, the rich, the poor, the marginalized, that the kingdom of God is open for anyone who will believe. When you're persuaded that Jesus died for you, that's when belief moves into this territory. When you're not just saying, well, I know Jesus died for everybody. I know that. But what about you? Are you personally persuaded? Because that's pastuo. It's how you know that your sins are forgiven and your guilt is removed. It's how, it, it's the, what. listen, pastuo belief, it's the way that you can get rid of all of that fear when you lay in your bed sometimes late at night and you wonder if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? Cause you're just not sure. It, will, it can take away that uncertainty that you're thinking, well, I prayed a prayer one time a long time ago, but I didn't understand it and I didn't mean it. And I don't know, I mean, maybe I was raised Methodist, maybe I was raised Baptist, Catholic, maybe you're raised in an atheist family, agnostic. You don't know what you believe. You know the one word that can settle all of that uncertainty? Pastuo, belief. I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, it's intimate. You can have a closeness with Jesus that is unimaginable and it's beautiful and it's based on his love for you. Not your good behavior, not your good works, not your righteousness. Your intimate belief in Jesus can be based on his love for you. And when you know that he loved you enough to die on the cross in your place, to offer you forgiveness of sin, if you would just put your belief in him, changes your life. Anybody can have inherited belief. Anybody can have intellectual belief. But to have pastuo, intimate, saving belief in Jesus, I'm asking you to step out in faith. Put everything into Jesus. Go beyond the belief you've known to the saving belief where you ask Jesus to save you for real and you're willing to commit your entire life to him. Speaking of belief, one of the things I believe is that there's someone listening right now that needs to believe in Jesus and that might be you. So I wanna give you an opportunity. You've just heard this sermon. I've explained to you what it means to fully put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if you are ready to do that right now, I wanna tell you how, and I'm gonna give you a chance to pray to receive Christ with me right now. You're not praying to me, you're praying to Jesus. So if you wanna nail down your salvation, get rid of the anxiety, the fear, and the uncertainty of where you're gonna go when you die and start a brand new life with Jesus now, pray this to him. Just ask him to save you right where you are. 
Jesus, I need you in my life. I repent of my sin. I believe you died for me. And I give you control. I'm yours now, Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me follow you. Hey, if you just gave your life to Jesus, let us know. Go to claytonking.com. Send us an email so that we can pray for you and help you take your next steps as a new believer in Jesus. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at claytonking.com.